Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode number 39 of Painting the Corners with Anton Schindler, brought to you by 90.5 KCSU. As promised, here's your update on the current happenings of the 2022 MLB lockout. On February 10th, 2022, Rob Manfred, the MLB commissioner, held a press conference to reveal plans that have been worked out between the owners and the players' committee. The next meeting between the two parties is set for this Saturday, February 12th, in the hopes that some of the bigger issues will be discussed. These issues include minimum salary for players, a tax threshold for a balance in competition, and how much money players will make from a pre-arbitration bonus pool. So, as it stands, a lot of core economic issues much like it has been since the start of the lockout in December, are the ones still being discussed. There did seem to be some optimism out of Manfred during this press conference, as he quickly shot down a question about spring training being delayed, saying that the status of spring training is no change as of right now. Manfred went on to say that he believes an agreement will be made in time to play a full regular season. There were a couple of other things that were announced, including a universal DH, which will put an end to pitchers getting a chance at the plate in the National League, and the elimination of draft pick compensation for free agents, basically throwing the MLB into a draft lottery format. This basically just means whichever teams miss the playoffs that season will participate in a lottery process to determine their draft order similar to the draft lottery that the NBA has used since 1985. So, it seems like things are finally starting to work out as far as the lockout goes, which is just in time, honestly, for the March 31st opening day deadline. And although Manfred still believes that there will be a little bit of spring training at the very least, I think it's safe to say that it more than likely won't happen, as a new collective bargaining agreement will more than likely take a couple of weeks to fully implement. But regardless, I will continue to keep you updated on everything going on with the MLB lockout as we draw closer and closer to the start of the regular season. Anyway, on to this week's episode, and let me tell you, it's a bit of a fun one. Today, we'll be talking about the weird funny, amazing, and unbelievably quirky Savannah Bananas Baseball Club and go over some of the things that they, and honestly their fans, do that make this ball club so different from all the others. Let's start with some brief history of the Savannah Bananas who, until 2016, were known as the Savannah Sand Nats who played in the South Atlantic League as a Class A affiliate for the Mets, Nationals, Expos, Rangers, Dodgers, and Cardinals ever since they were first established all the way back in 1984. In 2016, the Sand Nats relocated to Columbia, South Carolina, and became the Columbia Fireflies, a low-A minor league affiliate for the Kansas City Royals. This is where the Coastal Plain League comes in. 
The Coastal Plain League is a wood bat collegiate summer league featuring college players recruited from throughout the nation. So, it's really just a bunch of college kids, freshly recruited, trying to play more games in order to get notice, and hopefully drafted later on. Anyway, on September 25th, 2015, the Coastal Plain League announced that Savannah would be the newest team to join the league, and on February 25th, 2016, a Name the Team contest gave the Bananas their name. Since then, they have received copious amounts of media attention, I mean everywhere, being featured on ESPN, Sports Illustrated, CNN, and many, many, many other news outlets, mostly from their social media presence, their on-field hijinks, and their various marketing campaigns that are pretty popular. You see, the Savannah Bananas are all about entertainment and fan interaction. I mean, many say that it's more of an experience than your traditional baseball game. And people absolutely love it. Since 2016, the Bananas have sold out every single home game, totaling well above 150 sellouts. The waitlist... Just the waitlist for these tickets has over 10,000 people on it as of 2021. And besides game-specific tickets, you can actually get group tickets that cost $20 for regular seating with a minimum group size of 10 people. So, you know, that's, that's, that's a lot of people. Now, you might be wondering how this team is so successful and draws in so many fans every season. And let me be the first to say, it's because this is not your typical baseball team. For starters, the Savannah Bananas created their own version of the game of baseball, a game called Banana Ball, in order to kind of make the game of baseball go faster and make it way more exciting to watch. Banana Ball features nine new rules that are Take it from me, absolutely amazing. The first is that every inning counts. Now this one is pretty simple. Basically, the team that gets the most runs in an inning wins that inning and then gets a point. So basically, instead of being up 10-5 to 5 in the first inning, the team that won that inning, so the team that scored 10 runs, would just be up 1-0 in the ballgame. There's also a two-hour time limit for banana ball games. If the game is tied at the end of those two hours, it goes into a showdown to determine the winner, which I'll explain a little bit later. The next four rules deal specifically with hitting, including getting a strike called on you if you step out of the batter's box. You also can't bunt, and if you do, you'll be thrown out of the game. There are no walks allowed, And this one has a kind of funny consequence to it. You see, if the pitcher throws a fourth ball, the play turns into a full sprint. The hitter will take off running while the catcher has to throw the ball around to every defensive player on the field before it becomes live. This means that the ball has to touch every defender, every outfielder, and every infielder before the runner will have to hold up. But until then, the runner can just keep running around the bases. That's pretty crazy, right? 
Oh, and did I mention that the batters can steal first base as well? That's right. If a pass ball or a wild pitch occurs during any pitch and in a bat, the batter can take off for first, where he can be thrown out if he doesn't make it to the bag before the catcher collects the ball and then throws it to first, but he can still steal first base on a pass ball. There are no such thing as mound visits, meaning that often coaches and players and the catchers will hype up the pitcher from afar. But I kind of mentioned before that all of this kind of has to do with fan interaction, right? Well, another one of these rules is if there is a foul ball hit into the stands and a fan catches it, the batter is out. And it's hilarious because on the website, the bananas plead that if this does happen, to not catch the ball if it's a bananas batter up at the plate, which is kind of funny. Now, I also mentioned how if the game is tied after two hours, it goes into a showdown tiebreaker. Now, this rule is a crazy one. Here's how it works. Each team picks one pitcher and one hitter to face off. The defensive team only has the pitcher, catcher, and one fielder. If a hitter puts the ball into play, he has to score and make it home to get a point. If the ball is put in play, the pitcher and the fielder are allowed to chase the ball and throw it to the catcher for a play at the plate. If a pitcher strikes him out or gets him out before scoring, he doesn't get a point. But if the batter walks, he takes second and the hitting team will bring in another hitter to the plate. This just goes back and forth until someone gets a point by making it all the way home, ending the game. Now I don't know about you, but that sounds absolutely amazing. (laughs) But banana ball isn't the only thing that the Savannah Bananas are known for. Actually, quite the opposite. The Bananas' first base coach, Darius Johnson, does elaborate dances during the game. From ballet to breakdancing, he does everything. And instead of a bunch of cheerleaders hyping up the fans, the Bananas have a group called the Banana Nanas, which is a dance team made entirely of senior citizens. The Nanas are so committed to these dances that they practice for two and a half hours, three times a week, and perform at two games each week during the season. The players perform choreographed dances every game, as well as make over-the-top music videos, often to some pretty popular songs. Oftentimes throughout the season, the players will play in kilts, decorated in yellow and blue colors, and walk-ups are about as over-the-top as the scoring celebrations are as well. Sometimes players will be escorted to the plate by a marching band, or carried out, introducing themselves to the fans. When they do score, players will run through the crowd, do dances, and all kinds of wild celebrations. And, after the game, all players are interviewed in strange places, like in the shower, in a bathroom stall, in an ice bath, or even a massage chair. And last but very much not least, the Savannah Bananas honor the Banana Baby, which is a different baby, every game, and play the Lion King opening theme music as players kneel around the baby, who is then lifted up in the air while wearing a banana suit. (laughs) It's just all ridiculous. But 
regardless, I think it's safe to say that, yeah, this is a pretty over-the-top event. And, honestly, kind of over-the-top team. I mean, yes, the Bananas are wild. Just about as wild as their fans are. But one thing that you may be wondering is if the Savannah Bananas are actually any good. And the answer to that is yes. (laughs) Very good, in fact. Since the Savannah Bananas joined the Coastal Plain League, they've won the league championships twice. Once in 2016, their first year in the league, and most recently in 2021, when they won the CPL championships in a complete blowout victory, winning 13-3. A decent amount of players on the Bananas do actually get recognized by MLB organizations, as six players from the team were selected in 2018. One player, Jameson Hanna, was actually selected 50th overall in the second round by the Oakland Athletics, setting the record for the highest drafted Bananas player in team history. Currently, Hanna is still in the minors with the Hartford Yard Goats, the Colorado Rockies AA affiliate. But more recently than that, the Bananas actually saw one of their outfielders, Tristan Peters, drafted in the seventh round by the Milwaukee Brewers in 2021. So far, he's had 46 at-bats in the 13 games that he's played, in which he's collected 11 hits, 1 home run, 6 RBIs, and 6 stolen bases, with a .239 average to complete his first stint in professional rookie league baseball for the Brewers. Also, just so you know, there has been some exciting news that was actually just announced for the Savannah Bananas as well as the team will be traveling around much of the southeastern United States, kind of like Florida, Georgia, that area, on a banana ball world tour in hopes of spreading their weird, wonderful, and quirky new form of baseball. They'll be traveling to Daytona Beach, Montgomery, West Palm Beach, Columbus, Birmingham, and Kansas City from March 11th to May 7th, 2022. So, if you want to see a game of Banana Ball firsthand, I highly recommend going to the Savannah Bananas website and get tickets before they, as usual, sell out once again. But anyway, that will be it for our short intermission before we move into the American League East, where we will, once again, break down the best player from each team, starting with the Tampa Bay Rays, the Boston Red Sox, the New York Yankees, the Toronto Blue Jays, and of course, the Baltimore Orioles. Thank you for listening.